Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good to see all of you again. Appreciate it, the uh, privilege to be here, be encouraged and exhorted. Well, we are among the blessed. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's just again quiet our hearts in prayer. Maybe we could stand <clears throat> if you're able. <clears throat> our Father God, again we come in Jesus' name today, this after, this morning, in this very moment of time, desiring Father a blessing from heaven. God, you you know each one of us here. You know where we find ourselves in the journey of life. And today, again, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would take the Word and minister based on our needs. Father, I pray for strength to preach the Word. Lord, would you inspire the Word by your Spirit? Would you minister to our hearts and cause your Word to be living a living organism falling upon our hearts and bearing fruit. Father, we just commit this hour of time to you and uh, pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in this place, even as it is done in heaven. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. ready for actually beginning in verse 1, and we'll probably be able to cover verse 1 through verse 16 today. The Lord gives me energy and strength. <clears throat> Title of the message today is, Do We Value Brotherhood Life? <clears throat> Just laying a little groundwork here. If you'll notice, or if we, uh, if we think about, or if you're very familiar with the book of Ephesians, you, we realize that the first three chapters are somewhat, uh, oh, doctrinal, uh, foundational, uh, sure what the word would be for it. And then it shifts gears a bit when he gets to chapter four, the last three chapters where those chapters are more on the practical uh, issues of life, day-to-day pertinent issues that we as individuals face. Not, uh, you know, it's not totally, uh, you know, a shift of gears. It does follow through some, and yet it does, uh, the, the thrust does change a bit. The, um, obviously, it, 
the foundation, there's a sense in which the the first three chapters are, if you picture it like a building, the first three chapters are the foundation, the next three chapters are the building. The first three chapters, if we don't have those, we can't do much with the uh, with the next three. Uh, the first three chapters are that which are perhaps kind of more the invisible, not seen as much. But if it's not a reality, the building is is uh, going to be pretty shabby. And so, uh, the foundation of Christ, uh, which is laid out so clearly in chapter 1, uh, and also the, the foundation of the church body, which we are Christ's body, which we find really laid out uh, clearly in uh, chapter 2 and also chapter 3. Uh, talks about, uh, of course, the, the uh, being written to Gentiles and how the Gentiles are partakers of the same body and God has reconciled us both unto God in one body by the cross. <clears throat> and so the, uh, the first three chapters I tend to think of them as a foundation and the uh, next three as a bit of the building of our life that is built on the foundation. And he begins the, uh, the chapter 4, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And I don't know what you think about when you think about the vocation wherewith we are called. There's, our minds can probably go in a dozen directions. Uh, there's... Uh, there are several other scriptures that talk about walking worthy of the Lord. One of them is, uh, I think one of them is, uh, speaks of walking worthy of God. Here it speaks of walking, walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. I tended to usually look at that verse and simply think of it in light of Christ Himself, uh, faith in Him, uh, uh, look at it in light of what is written in the previous chapters, and it definitely does uh, hinge on that. But as we continue, one of the things that we'll notice in this scripture is, as he continues in chapter two, is that, or excuse me, chapter four, is that he uh, specifically uh, focuses on the the body. Uh, we'll notice it several places through the next 16 verses, and he, uh, he's talking a lot about the body. <clears throat> uh, notice, let's just highlight those, or notice them. Notice in verse 2, he says that, um, uh, with all, in the last part of the verse is what I'm going f- uh, for, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. That puts us right in the context of brotherhood, of the body. Forbearing one another. Uh, in verse 3, actually, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep something within the body. There's something to, something to be uh, desired there in the context of a body. And of course, verse 4, there is one body. Uh, 
And if we jump down to verse uh, verse 13, or verse 12 rather, he says uh, that um, the last part of the verse, for the edifying of the body. And verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Uh, jump over to verse 16 from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. <clears throat> so the, uh, the, 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 the context of these 16 verses are largely the body. Uh, you know how uh, in the uh, in the previous chapters it talks uh, the this scripture was written to the Gentiles and he talks there in verse uh, chapter three verse six that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. You know it is intended, or is it assumed? I'm not sure, but the scripture leaves leaves um, clearly, uh, or it makes no apologies, I don't know what the right word is, but it makes no apologies that it, it uh, indicates that the Christian life is to be lived in a body. The Gentiles are to be uh, part- uh, fellow heirs and of the same body. Now, we know that... Uh, in the in the Old Testament dispensation, the Gentile was considered outside of God, and uh, for the most part, and uh, here the Gentile is brought in to God and into a, f- a fellow heir and part of the same body. We also know that in the Old Testament, God worked with a nation of people. You know, Israel; they were a nation. They, uh, you know, God gave His law to them as a as a nation. The context was a nation. They uh, uh, they they were an organized group of people. They had a law. They had direction. They had leaders. They had order. It was it was all uh, it was in place, and that's the way God worked with them in that in that dispensation in the old dispensation. The new dispensation, the New Testament, opened up a whole new. And different perspective, and where for one the Gentile was now welcomed in, and now it was no, is no longer a nation; it's now the body of Christ. And I think we 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 just want to take a moment to consider the importance of that very perspective. The body of Christ is not optional. I don't believe. I don't believe we can claim to be in Christ and not be a part of Christ's body. And what, what I mean by that is, uh, and, and you know, granted, we want to be understanding when people find themselves in all sorts of places in the world and trying to find someone to relate to in brotherhood life. But for someone to isolate themselves and and uh, not plug in, not connect with the body of Christ. I believe we can go so far based on these scriptures to say that's not real Christianity. The Christian life is intended to be lived out in the context of a body. 
And, we, and we'll, we'll talk about this more as we go here. The, uh, the New Testament faith, uh, we can just refer to that verse there. Uh, let's just re- read those last two verses there, or last two, last two for our context today. Chapter 4, verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in, uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Like I said, I, you know, I believe that, um, I believe that God understands everyone's heart and, uh, He knows those situations where there just is no fellowship that is suitable near someone. And they find themselves alone. God understands those situations, I believe. But for the person who chooses not to participate in the body of Christ, I believe there is no excuse based on the Word of God. It's, uh, the, the, the Christian life is intended to be lived out in the context of a body. It is in, the New Testament faith is expressed in the context of the body of Christ. Or his church. And of course, the, this scripture says there is one body in verse 4. And, and uh, we recognize there is only one body. Now, not in the sense that some would claim there is only one body. Uh, or rather, one church. There's, uh, there are those who would believe that they are the body of Christ. And unless you're a part of them, you're not a part. Well, that's a bit unfortunate, I would say, uh, to have that kind of a perspective. And yet, the bottom line is, there is only one body. But that, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, as uh, this scripture here in, in the early part of this chapter gives us, there's one body, one spirit, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. And we, we may look at that a bit later in more detail. Uh, you know, someday the Lord will, in fact, bring that entire worldwide body together in, in glory and in eternity. And we will discover that there is only one body. However, in, in the present, we recognize clearly that as the apostles, uh, uh, you know, sent out Titus to ordain elders in every city. You know, establishing a, lo- what we sometimes use the term, a local body. A body in a geographical area. A small uh, representation in this area. A representation in that area. But yet it is all one body. You know, again, we don't have to let our minds start thinking about the whole mix of things that is out there because we'll never figure it out. We'll let that to the Lord. But uh, in the meantime, we'll, we'll uh, by the best of our grace and abilities, uh, live out the, the reality of uh, that one body or, or in, in our local assembly. <clears throat> So, in this scripture, we'd like to consider that uh, uh, this, this uh, do we value brotherhood life, this uh, scripture is actually, I believe, in some ways exhorting us to walk worthy of the body of Christ. 
to walk worthy of the uh, the privilege that uh, the body brings into our experience, the, the benefits, the blessings. Of course, as we consider uh, walking worthy of uh, the body of Christ, and uh, of course the, the question, do we value brotherhood? Uh, he gives us some exhortations here. Verse 2, obviously, is an exhortation with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know, when we think about walking worthy or appreciating the body, one of the first necessities for any one of us is humility. If we're going to, uh, if we're going to walk worthy, if we're going to have a proper perspective of Christ's body, uh, we will we'll need humility. And uh, he exhorts us with that, with all lowliness and meekness. Lowliness is simply having a humble opinion of oneself. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 3 says it well. Uh, just... It speaks there of being of, in lowliness of mind, esteem the other better than themselves. You know, having a humble opinion of myself and yet elevating my brother in my own heart and in my own mind. The, uh, this word, when it talks about lowliness here, in many of the, the translations in, this, in the scriptures, it's actually translated... Uh, Humility. Um, of course, a very near kin to it is meekness, with all lowliness and meekness, which is simply gentleness. Um, again, when we think about the body, you know, we think about uh, you know, maybe I don't know if it's different now than it would have been in the. Uh, in the uh, early church, but uh, we know that uh, there was, at least in some situation, there were Jews and Gentiles in the same church, and there were, uh, you know, they were probably in uh, in a great, div- uh, yeah, a great diversity of uh, of maturity, and. Uh, Probably much opportunity to exercise humility and uh, for, and uh, meekness and long suffering, as it says here, giving lots of space, giving room, forbearing one another, absorbing one another's irritations and failures in love, as this uh, scripture says, forbearing one another in a healthy body. In a healthy church body, there will be people in many different stages of growth. And uh, thus the necessity to be forbearing, to be patient, to give space. And it is a very important ingredient in, uh, in the function of a healthy church body, but it isn't the only ingredient. I think that's important to Remember, you know, humility, forbearance, grace, uh, uh, long-suffering, giving a lot of space, uh, being, you know, patient with people's uh, various failures and one another. And 
you know, there, there, it's necessary. It's very important. It's probably number one on the list. But it's not the only ingredient. And that we do want to remember. Uh, we live in a church world today where that is the basic gospel. You just, you just, you're patient and you're gracious and, you know, you put up with anything and everything in church life, you know, in, in general society. But that's not what it's talking about. I, I'm confident of that. You know, we're, uh, and we'll get, uh, yeah, we're, as a church body, uh, there's, there's, we're supposed to be going somewhere. And we'll talk a bit more about that as we go. This is, uh, you know, a, a vital ingredient in the, in the whole process of where we're going. But it's not the only ingredient. You don't bake a, uh, a bread with just flour. And so, let's remember that. When we talk about uh, being patient, long-suffering, forbearing, gracious, remember, it is very important, but it's not the only ingredient that builds church. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> but it is incredibly important. Without it, it'll flop. Without it, it'll fail. Utterly fail. And we've probably seen those things in the past. All right. The next verse, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This word endeavor gives us the indication that it's something to be worked on. It's something that won't just happen. As we think about uh, walking worthy of the body of Christ, appreciating it for what it's intended for in our lives. There is some effort that needs to be put forth here, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Of course, uh, unity would indicate a oneness. Uh, And here again, I think it's important that we recognize that unity does not necessarily mean that we act the same, look the same, do the same things. You know, doesn't necessarily mean that. I like to illustrate uh, unity here this morning just a bit. Uh, We said it means oneness. Um. Going to use an illustration. Our uh, our neighbor this summer <clears throat> they uh, did a I guess what they call it a, a a whole house makeover. They had a nice house I thought, but they uh, they got uh, contractors in and they just totally renovated the entire place. They moved out. And totally renovated the entire place. Six-month project, I think it was. The yard was full of signs. Contractors. All sorts of them. I'd like to use that illustration to illustrate oneness or unity. You know, there there were many different contractors' signs in the yard representing many different, quote, gifts and abilities. They had many different specialties, uh, you know, uh, things that they specialized in. But you know what? Every one of them, all of them, all had the same goal. They were all working toward the same thing. They all had the same end product in mind. And that they worked together and accomplished. And that is unity. That is oneness. 
And that's that's what I like to 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 help us, or yeah, to just uh, let us think a little bit in in terms of of brotherhood life of the body of Christ. You know, it doesn't mean that we all, like I said, that we're all doing the same thing, or that we all uh, uh, have the same perspective on 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 a given situation. But we must all be working toward the same goal. We must all be pulling in the same direction. We must all have the same end vision in mind if we're going to be successful. Our overarching goals and perspectives need to be unified. You need to be one. Uh, You know, when it comes to our purpose as a body, when it comes to our uh, min- the ministries we want to participate in or to branch out in when it comes to uh, uh, evangelistic efforts, when it comes to uh, even our definition of what is obedience to the faith. Or how does this Christian faith function and how is it expressed? How can we as a body uh, best represent Christ's will for His church. You know, we have to be in unity. We have to be seeing the same thing down the road. But we each bring our own different gifts, our perspectives, our abilities, our, our uh, uh, things we see more clearly, notice more clearly, and all those kind of things. But um, we have to be pulling in the same direction. Let's just think about an illustration that I think can illustrate this safely. Um, Let's just use the subject of modesty as an example. Now, modesty is something that is, is, I'm going to say this, it's up for people's own personal definition. Because, you know what? You call modest, and what someone else calls modest might not be the same. And it is that way in this world, isn't it? You know, everybody, actually, did you know it? Everybody, can I say everybody? At least 99 point some percent of people actually have a standard of modesty. They actually do. But we're all the way across the board with that standard. But in the world... Everyone gets to a place where they're uncomfortable somewhere. Now, there's a few that don't seem to have any line. But, now, when we write the word modesty on the board and we define what modesty is, you know, just modesty. We're not, we're not going to details. We're just defining what we believe is acceptable modesty. All of us should be seeing the same thing. We're not talking about the type of dress. We're not talking about the type of clothes. Nothing of the sort. We're just talking about modesty. Just the modesty. The term modesty. Our hearts should be beating together in oneness on what we see modesty is. How we actually accomplish that, there's probably going to be some diversity. You know, uh, 
I, I, I would feel there are several different ways that a sister types of dresses and styles of dresses that sisters can wear that are all reach that goal. But we can't, we can't be in ten different points on that goal. As a body, as a body of Christ, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And we didn't talk about the Spirit involved in this yet, but we will just a little bit. <clears throat> so I'm just still trying to illustrate what uh, the oneness that we should be desiring. And, and wanting where we see the same thing. Do we all go about it exactly the same way to, to attain that? Not necessarily, but we're still we're seeing the same thing. And we want the same end product, same end results, same end modesty. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the spirit here yet. As it says here, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, I do believe that the Spirit of God, one of His uh, ministries is actually to, to uh, uh, bring the body of Christ together in, uh, in oneness. Let's think about another illustration. The, uh, and this is a recent one for us as a brotherhood. The Spirit of God clearly brought a warning to us, brothers, concerning social networking. Can I say that? I think so. Brothers are agreeing with me. The Spirit of God clearly brought to us a warning concerning social networking. We sat around in a brother's meeting and we discussed the subject and it was clear by one Father after another, after another, after another, after another, who all had a warning in their heart concerning the, the effects of social networking. So the Spirit of God was at work in our hearts and brought us a warning. We concluded that it's dangerous for the immature and sometimes even for the mature. A lot of dangers there. We further concluded that it would be of the best interest for our children under 20 years of age to not be actively involved in social networking. So the Spirit of God worked in our hearts to bring us to a place to see that danger and to respond to it. We also concluded that it would be rather inconsistent for us to give our children that kind of oversight if we then as adults are just avid social socialists. Is that the word? <laughs> I don't fit, the teacher says. <laughs> but anyhow, you get the idea. If we're avid social networkers. <laughs> anyhow. Uh, we concluded that it wouldn't be uh, uh, consistent if we, with uh, you know, held our children back, but then we just were right up in the front lines of it. So that said, 
the Spirit of God brought us to, and really, frankly, I was thrilled with the way the, the Spirit of God moved us as brothers together in unity. I was. Just a blessing for you brothers in your sensitivity. But now we have the challenge and the responsibility to endeavor to keep that unity. You know, we have the challenge to walk that out and to actually function in unity. The unity that the Spirit of God wants to bring on a subject like that. Give direction to it. And so, again, as we think about uh, the unity of the Spirit, and I use that illustration to bring out the Spirit part, the Spirit of God working in our midst and, and uh, giving us direction and, and speaking to us and showing us, you know, the way, showing us dangers, uh, giving us uh, a forward uh, thrust in a given subject. And, and we have the responsibility to then exercise to uh, fall into oneness with the Spirit of God and with the body as the Spirit of God moves and works. He goes on in this verse, he says, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace, uh, this word bond actually is a ligament. You know what a ligament is? Uh, if you've been a student at all, you, you realize that your body is held together by ligaments. And if your ligaments tear, you have a problem. You know, is peace the uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace? Could we say that, according to this scripture, that uh, peace is actually the ligament that holds a body together? I think so. We know what it's like when uh, when peace is missing. It's kind of hard to keep a body together when peace is missing, right? And we've probably even seen. Uh, well, let me say this: Have you ever seen a body fall apart where there was peace? Probably not. But when the peace was gone, then then the pieces can fly. So peace is uh, is the uh, the ligament. That, uh, that holds it together. And so, the Spirit of God uh, wants to work in us a oneness, a oneness of perspective on a multitude of subjects. And He wants to bind us together with peace. As He does that, as He works that in our, in our experience. All right. We'll keep moving. <clears throat> I'm going to summarize just a bit here the next three verses. There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through you all, and in you all. Those verses are exciting to me because it's only, there's only one, cho- uh, one option. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you had several options to choose from? And uh, you had to make up your mind. Well, when it comes to the faith, there is really only one option. And that is, as it's defined here, there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one hope of your calling, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, 
And the reality of it is that He is in you, He is above all, He is through all, and He is in you all. That's kind of putting the faith in a nutshell. But it's comforting, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a blessing. You know, it's not that complex. Uh, and so let's be, uh, let's be encouraged by that. The, you know, the faith is, is already defined in the scriptures. And the challenge for us is to understand it as it, as it is defined. To live it in the reality of it as it is defined. And to experience it, uh, it's, uh, it's call on our life. <clears throat> so God in us, living out our faith in the context of a local body. The next several verses, he says, uh, Wherefore, or excuse me, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, Whereas he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Uh, of course, then in the, we have a few words in parentheses there. And then in verse 11, he picks up again on the thought of the gifts. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So we have just a bit of the thought of gifts here. And various gifts, and I'm not going to make this a gifts teaching. There's other scriptures that actually give a clearer word on gifts. But, uh, but we do notice here that, uh, that uh, we, you know, uh, he giveth, every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Uh, every one of us have a purpose. God has bestowed some gift upon every one of us, and gifts, plural, uh, and God gives grace for those gifts for us to uh, live, uh, function in the reality of those gifts. The, uh, we all have, uh, we are all gifted to benefit the body, the, the body of Christ. We're, we're all gifted for that purpose. The uh, and God has something in mind for each one of us, and of course we have the. In some ways, we have the challenge of discovering what that gift is. Gifting, gifts. <laughs> well, uh, he gave gifts unto men, and I think there's more. Uh, he, he mentions a few here in light of, of, the, of uh, the body here in verse 11, but I, I would suggest there's more. There's uh, other scriptures that also refer to gifts. Um, and we're not going to go into a lengthy discussion on that at this point. But I also like us to notice that, uh, you know, what does this little phrase here have to do with gifts here when he says he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men? You know, I'm not sure, always certain, what that phrase captivity captive means, but I did think about it this way. You know, he took captive what held us captive. In other words, picture yourself in a prison cell and a, and a uh, 
a guard is standing outside the door, you're captive. You can't go anywhere. Well, here comes Jesus and takes the guard captive and walks away with him and unlocks the door and you can walk out. He, maybe there was something else in mind here. I don't know, but this is a blessed thought and I think it's true. He took captive what was holding us captive. Uh, in fact, there's even some uh, verses that uh, I think would add to that thought. Colossians 2 verse 15 talks about spoiling principalities and powers. Uh, that's, you know, principalities and powers. That's, that's powers of darkness that were holding people captive. Uh, ooh, is that Hebrews where it talks, of, talks about the devil taking us captive at his own will? Somewhere the scripture talks about that. So, you know, the devil's real. Principalities and powers are real. And people have been held captive and still are. But Jesus took captive the captive, the, cap, the, the captors. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 3, What the law could not do, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. You know, we were held captive to our flesh, weren't we? It's probably one of the biggest captors that there is that holds us. But Christ, you know, as that verse says, He... uh, sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So, he took captivity captive. He took captive our captors and then he gave us gifts. You know, what more can you ask? What more can we ask? He set us free to serve, right? And so he gives us gifts, you know, abilities, functions in the body. Something for us to do. Something that benefits you know, a life before Christ was a life of selfishness. A life after Christ is a life for the benefit and blessing of others. <clears throat> of course, our context here is the body. And uh, he talks about how he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. You know, he gave these gifts for the body, for the benefit of the body. But now let's just consider it from another perspective. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Let's consider it from the recipient's perspective. You know, yeah, the gifts are given so we can give, right? We can participate, we can, and that's a blessing. It's necessary, it's needful, it's supposed to be that way. But in order to give, somebody needs to be on the receiving end, right? Somebody needs to be open with a, with a heart that's open to hear and to be instructed and to, and to grow. Notice that, um, that uh, there's an intent here. There's a goal for the perfecting of the saints. And that is actually, that particular verse, uh, uh, perfecting is actually uh, uh, equipping, uh, furnishing. Providing everything that we need as God's people. So there's, uh, there's gifts in the body that uh, are, are, you know, functioning and uh, giving of their talent and ability. And then there's those of us who are, are receiving that blessing. And what we are receiving is equipping us to, to, to continue to be a ministering body. 
you know, to be a, a, a functioning, ministering body. Uh, that, uh, that the body, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that there would just be a continual growth taking place, a continual maturing, a continual moving forward in kingdom work, in kingdom perspective. You know, bringing in, uh, bringing in from the dregs of sin others who have not known Christ, who have not experienced and tasted what we've tasted, a whole body functioning together, accomplishing that. Uh, bringing our children to faith, you know, as our children observe us as believers, working together, functioning together as a body, that it it creates in them a desire to experience the same thing that we're experiencing. To be a part of the same thing that we're a part of. And praise God for that. Uh, you know, we talk about peer pressure and we talk about negative peer pressure. But folks, I am delighted for positive peer pressure also. Frankly, I appreciate it. And I need it in my in our family, I appreciate what it has done over the years. Positive peer pressure, where peers actually encourage one another on in the Lord. Uh, I, I feel privileged to have been in a place over the years where that's, that has been able to happen. And thank God for it. <clears throat> so, uh, there's... Uh, there's uh, these verses indicate here, and of course, uh, you know, the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's quite a, quite a mouthful, actually. But the idea is this, that uh, we're, we're, we're moving in a direction. We're moving toward maturity. We're growing in our, in our uh, and we're talking collectively now, as a body. You know, the body of Christ, the gifts are functioning. We're moving in a direction. Remember earlier we talked about patience. We talked about being long-suffering. We talked about all those kind of things. They're necessary, but not, they're not intended to just have, we're, not in, we're not intended to just be parked somewhere, dead on the spot, being patient with each other. <laughs> That's not the intent. The intent is that we are moving, growing, developing, uh, becoming uh, more like Christ, becoming, uh, growing and maturing, become, uh, uh, coming together in our faith, our perspective, our vision of the kingdom, our, you know, whatever you want to put in there. Uh, so the intent is that we are moving, that we are growing. And so... When we talk about patience, that is the context that we're talking about patience. Not in the context of being stuck and stopped and dead in our tracks and not going anywhere. Okay, well, we're just going to be patient. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's time to move on, brother. (laughs) You've been sitting on that mud hole for 20 years. Time to move. So we come in the unity of the faith. You know, we talked about unity earlier. We try not to uh, wear out the term. But like I said earlier, it's, uh, we're, you know, we all we need to be de- coming together in our understanding of the faith. You know, what is the Christian life and what it is and, 
and and uh, how you live it and and how you imp- you know how you uh, relate to this world that we live in and all those kind of things that relate to faith in Christ that we are we're moving together we're coming together we're we're drawing closer in our perspectives and in the long range goals and what we see it you know what we're pressing toward just like that house that I talked about they're finished now the signs are all gone the folks move back into their house they accomplished their goal can we say that someday as a church body that uh, of course Lord willing is a Go on until Christ comes, but uh, you know there's a sense in which we can say that individually. You know, like Paul said, I have I've finished my course, I've run the race. I forget all his words there, but he 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 was coming to the end with satisfaction, and I think there's a sense in which we can say that as a body. You know, uh, as we uh, grow together and move uh, move forward together. And of course, the goal is to be moving closer in our perspectives, in our in our uh, understanding of of Christ and of the Son of God, and and uh, growing in our, in our measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would be growing together, not apart. That we would be maturing in our faith. <clears throat> of course, in the middle of all of that. We have the next verse there, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, it's not without challenge, is it? You know, the church isn't built without challenge. The church isn't built without opposition. And, uh, you know, winds of doctrine come and go. Some come... Maybe they stay longer than they should. Who knows? But they're out there. We know that. There's all sorts of things that come down the pike. All sorts of perspectives. But we're exhorted here to not be tossed to and fro by that. But rather that we're, we've been maturing. We've been growing. And when they come, it doesn't have to shake us. It doesn't have to move us. Because like uh, Paul told Timothy, uh, when he exhorted him about the truth, he told him that uh, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You know, when we've been walking with the Lord and we're in the context of a body and, and we know one another and we know one another's walk and, and we're, uh, uh, you know, we're growing together. And then along comes some wind of doctrine from somewhere. And we have a, a context, we have a focal point, we have a body. We have brethren, and that, that wind of doctrine doesn't have to, you know, hit us broadside. It doesn't have to knock us off our feet, because we're in a context of a body. And that's, that's the will of God. That's the heart of God, that, uh, that we, would, uh, we would grow and uh, mature and actually, you know, be one of those who is able to bring stability to others when those winds of doctrine hit. And... Uh, and uh, try to deceive the, uh, at times, young in the faith. <clears throat> All right. The next two verses kind of summarize everything that we've said here, verse 15 and 16. 
as he says here, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do we appreciate the body? Here we have it, you know, just summarized, the body of Christ. Uh, where the desire is to grow up into him, into Christ, which is the head. We, we always want to cling to that fact, that truth, and never, you know, deter from it. Christ is the head of his body, his church. Uh, we want to grow up into him. We don't just want to grow up into an organization. You know, into some kind of a plan that some men put together, but growing up into Him, into Christ, into Christ personally, each one of us. And then together, as we are growing up into Him, we are the body. That is uh, spelled out here. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. You know, each part is it's fitly joined together. You know how your arm is attached here to your shoulder and your elbow is attached here and your fingers are attached here, you know. Is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. You know, every, it's all dependent. The whole body, it's just, everything is dependent on everything else, you know, and, and we know that when, when we injure a, a part of our body, all of a sudden, the whole body feels it, doesn't it? The whole body is, is, is hindered, is handicapped, is whatever, you know, because of one area that uh, is suffering. And so that's the picture that we have of the body here. The body is it, we're, it's dependent on each other. It's a close uh, close relationship, uh, close working together, a close dependency, uh, and compacted or or uh, by that which every joint supplieth. You know, it's it's all working together according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body. And of course, when when all the parts are functioning well together, the body grows. It, uh, it develops. It, uh, it, it accomplishes what it was intended to accomplish. It, it, pro- it progresses. It moves forward. It, and it says here, it edifies itself in love. You know, isn't that a thrill? You know, it becomes self-sustaining. And I don't take that word wrong, but you know, obviously Christ is our head, our dependency is in Him, but when the body is functioning together, it, it in other words, it doesn't need, it doesn't need a, a wheelchair or a, a walker, it's, it's healthy, it's, uh, it's growing, it's, it doesn't need somebody from, uh, some, 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 uh, you know, some, somebody from the outside to, to try and come and get it on its feet, it's healthy, it's, it's able to nurture itself. It's able to uh, uh, provide for its own needs. And talking about a spiritual sense, maybe, and you know, when it comes to financial, we'll, we'll just leave that. But spiritual, you know, able to to uh, meet its own needs, able to uh, help its uh, uh, to uh, nurture itself and and build itself up. And frankly, that's uh, that's what happens here. I trust, you know, on a Week by week and moment by moment, and day by day, you know, um, 
some more than others, but I'm, I'm, I, I know, I know that uh, there's, there's more nurturing goes on than just on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night when we meet together. I know that. And that's a blessing. You know, there's, uh, there's interaction that goes on periodically throughout the week or whatever as, you know, opportunity lends itself. And there's uh, uh, growth that results. And so, uh, praise God. That's the intent. So again, back to the whole uh, the question, you know, do we appreciate, do we value the, body, the brotherhood, do we value brotherhood life? And of course, uh, the exhortation there in the first verse that we would walk worthy of that vocation. I think you probably, I hope you were able to catch the burden. Um, again, realizing that Christ intended that the, the, the Christian faith would be lived out in a body context. Just like that last verse says again, fitly joined together. We just simply have a need of each other, don't we? We do. If we don't, I, I would like to say that Christ would like us to realize that we do. That we actually, we do have a need for others in our lives. And that it's in that context that God wants to uh, uh, bless us. And, uh, and it's a blessing we don't want to miss. So, I appreciate brotherhood. I'm thankful to be a part of a brotherhood. And uh, the body of Christ. May we... Uh, May we become all that Christ intended us to be by His grace and by His Spirit. We're able. Let's kneel for prayer. Loving Father, again we bow in Your presence here. Thank You. Thank You for the Word of God that You have given to us, Lord. Thank you that the Spirit breathed it out through Paul many years ago and give us much direction for our lives, for church life. Lord, do help us to understand and continue to grow in the realities that you so desire for your body. We confess our need this morning. We, we see through a glass darkly. We, we, we see it, we catch glimpses of it, Lord, but we want to live in the reality of, uh, of a functioning vibrant body that you desire for us here that we would be able to nurture those among us who are struggling and those and, and that we would all together be able to lift one another up when difficulties arise in our own experiences and father that we would also be able to then reflect to a lost and dying world around us the beauty of Christ and his church and his body lord that it would also It would have a uh, drawing effect on those who do not know that kind of love and care and compassion in their experience. Father, thank you. Thank you for that entrusting us in such a lofty calling. And Father, again, do forgive us where where we walk carelessly regarding it. And help us, Father, to to walk worthy, worthy of your kingdom, worthy of your glory, Lord.
each one of us. Pray a blessing on each one here today. May your spirit again inspire and encourage each heart. Father, we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.